Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together. JD Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For JD Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com/awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. 2001 will forever go down in pro wrestling history as one of the most monumental years ever. ECW and WCW went out of business. Stone Cold Steve Austin made a deal with the devil. Chris Jericho ended the year as the first ever undisputed champion, and this was the final full year where the World Wrestling Federation name was in use. Away from all of that though, several news items and slices of trivia from 2001 have gone a little under the radar the years have rolled on. So, I'm Andrew from What Culture Wrestling, and here are 10 things you didn't know about WWE in 2001. Number 10. Rising Tensions in the Divas Locker Room By 2001, Lita had nicely slotted into Team Extreme with the Hardy Boys and had really started to come into her own as one of the most beloved females in the entire company. At the turn of the millennium though, WWE's female talent were fighting for extremely limited TV time, and so all were eager to grab that spotlight. Ivory had been around for a short while before Lita and thus had witnessed Lita come into the company and rise up to become one of the biggest names on the roster. Intriguingly though, Ivory has since noted during a shoot interview that she found it difficult to relate with Lita, who would be showered with gifts by fans only to leave those presents behind when she left the arena. In Ivory's view, this was flat out rude and it left a bitter taste in her mouth. It's interesting to hear about these little rips in the WWE system, especially when everything was painted as being like paradise. Number 9. Jerry Lawler quits for his ex-wife The sheer quality of the commentary throughout most of the Attitude Era is tribute to the chemistry between Jim Ross and Jerry the King Lawler. However, in 2001, Lawler would walk out on WWE, quitting after the company released his then-wife Stacey Carter, aka The Cat. Carter had reportedly become difficult to deal with backstage, and officials felt it was time she moved on. Disagreeing with this decision, The King elected to leave too, and something he's since noted he regrets doing. Splitting from Carter not long after this whole situation, Lola would eventually return to WWE later in the same year. Thankfully, this was merely a minor blip in Jerry Lola's association with WWE. But it must have been strange for The King to sit at home and watch shows, seeing Paul Heyman turn up alongside good old JR. Number 8. WWE Occult Staff Business had been good for the McMahon family's wrestling juggernaut since becoming a publicly traded company in 1999. So much so, the certified billionaire storyline for Vince wasn't stretching the truth all that much. By 2001, things were still red hot for WWE, but what significantly cool towards the end of the year. To combat any drop in business, the company decided to cut no less than 40 staff members, mainly in its internet division. 
This was the first major staff call for WWE in eight years, but didn't really get a lot of news coverage at the time. Nobody on the writing staff was released, but the internet and magazine offices were merged under the leadership of Shane McMahon. Stuart Snyder, who had previously been COO of the promotion, was asked, freeing up his estimated $1.1 million salary. Of course, this was very much a sign of things to come, with WWE having asked a scary amount of employees over the subsequent years. Number 7. Silence between Sting and WWE After WWE had purchased WCW, it seemed only natural that many top names would follow and become WWE employees. While talents such as DDP and Booker T agreed to make the jump to WWE, it made too much financial sense at that time for others like Sting, Goldberg, Ric Flair and the NWO to see out the remainder of their lucrative AOL Time Warner contracts. Interestingly, while Sting did have talks with Vince McMahon in 2002, the icon has noted how there were never any discussions of enjoying WWE in 2001 after WCW had collapsed. It's one thing to not sign Sting in 2001, but it's baffling to learn that WWE didn't even reach out to test the water with the Stinger at that point. Number 6. Shame of Man's off-camera WCW plans. Incredibly, WWE's plans for WCW weren't merely to run a storyline which would see the brand invade their own TV product. At first, plans were being explored which would have seen World Championship Wrestling run as a completely separate entity to WWE, holding their own live events, TV shows, and pay-per-views. The basic premise behind this was that several annual crossover events could be booked, in WWF against WCW, theoretically doing monster business and bringing in Scrooge McDuck levels of money. Instead of hiring somebody new to run the offshoot WCW, Shane McMahon would have been handed the reins here. Perhaps this was his father's way of finding out whether or not Shane could someday run WWE. But the fact is, there were grand plans afoot for WCW before company officials started to change their mind, of course. Number 5. China was supposed to star alongside Arnold Schwarzenegger. Prior to the part in WWE in 2001, China was set to star in Terminator 3, Rise of the Machines, and the TX robot role, which ultimately went to Kristana Luckin. According to China, Vince McMahon refused to allow her to take this role once the ninth wonder of the world began butting heads with the company. Of course, this coming in the aftermath of it being revealed that Triple H and Stephanie McMahon had been having an affair for the previous year. China would be removed from WTV shortly after Judgment Day in May 2001, and she'd eventually leave the company that November. In the years since that departure, the real-life Johnny Laura said she would never forgive Vince McMahon for making her miss out on Terminator 3. And the film's not that great, like. Number 4. The XFL burns a hole in company coffers. While Dwayne Johnson is currently having his own problems with the XFL here in 2023, those problems aren't quite as bad as the financial blow dealt out by Vince McMahon's first attempt to launch the XFL. It may have started with a bang and brought in viewership of nearly 14 million early on, but the XFL ratings quickly nosedived in 2001. The failure of the XFL wasn't just a personal embarrassment for Vince McMahon though. For this experiment, which ran for one season in 2001, unbelievably cost WWE and their partners a whopping $116 million. Had to think, crazy old Vince even tried to relaunch the XFL in 2020, before a pandemic finally put those plans on ice. Number 3. Steve Lombardi came up with the gore. Starting out with WWE in 2001, Rhino quickly became a great mid-card attraction. Using a power driver to finish off opponents in ECW, Rhino was struggling to come up with a suitable finish for his matches in WWE, as the power driver was deemed too dangerous to be used regularly. Working a series of house show matches against longtime WWE veteran Steve Lombardi, aka the Brooklyn Brawler, Rhino was using the spear to cut up any babyface comebacks. One night, Lombardi gave Rhino a crucial piece of advice, advising him to simply 
pin him after the spear. And with that, the gore was born. Number two, WWF New York cost more than WCW. Launching in 1999, WWF New York was something we UK fans looked on at enviously during TV shows and pay-per-views. Every single time the place was shown on screens, it looked like everybody was having an absolute blast and the place was jam-packed with wrestling fans. Sitting in Times Square, the venue showed pay-per-view events and even older footage when there wasn't one airing live. In addition, several segments would take there and WWE superstars would host fan signings in the building. WWF New York was successful for a while, but the wheels would eventually fall off. Rebranded as The World in 2002, the business would close finally in 2003, but not before costing WWE a heck of a lot of money. Astonishingly, WWF New York cost WWE more money than it cost Vince McMahon to purchase WCW. That WCW sale was in the $2.5 million region, whereas WWE's restaurant venture cost a staggering $24.5 million dollars. So, rolling the bar in New York caused WWE to spend more money than it took to buy out their main rival. Number 1. Monday Night Raw nearly became Nitro. So serious with WWE about making WCW a distinct separate brand, there were talks about turning Raw is War into WCW Monday at Nitro. The idea revolved around WCW running Nitro on Mondays and WWE having Smackdown on Thursdays. For one thing, it's shocking that the McMahons weren't looking to be more protective over what they now herald as the longest running weekly episodic TV show in history. Regardless, this all came to a halt once it became clear that TV companies just weren't interested in running fresh time slots for the WCW name, a name which had been associated with failure for many years. To remedy this, WWE felt they'd simply incorporate WCW into their existing time slots. But those plans were famously nixed after Vince McMahon witnessed the reaction to that raw match between Buff Bagwell and Booker T. Can you dig that sucker? So, that's 10 things you didn't know about WWE in 2001. Be sure to like, subscribe, comment, share, turn those notification bells on, and come and give us a follow on Twitter at WorldCultureWWE. While you're there, you can find myself at Cultured Left Peg, but most importantly, be sure to have the best possible day. Whether you're doing something or whether you're doing absolutely nothing, I hope it goes well for you. And if things aren't going so well, I hope they turn around as soon as possible. I'm Andrew Paul for WorldCulture Wrestling, and I'll catch you down the road.